I was pretty scared because you know the entire time I've been financing my own education and own my own life, uh, and I thought that you know what am I going to do now? In December 2020, we were introduced to a group of women entrepreneurs who were part of the Her and Now Entrepreneurship Program. So. I thought why people should enter into such places and then give up their lives so I thought better I should do something for them Each of the women are at different stages of their businesses some are just starting out So we thought to like we should start some business related to food because we are not at all interested in our software engineering job Some are a little further along So with 25 people I started and now I have 105 artisans along with me which I am very happy about and we've been speaking to them to find out what being a founder is really like or more specifically what makes women decide that they want to start a business and what happens on that journey Over the next several weeks we spoke to the women regularly Hi good morning everyone this is Grace nearly every other day exchanging voice notes over the phone chatting about things like our daily routines what needed to get done and how we were all coping with the lockdown these are the women you will hear from over the next 3 episodes of the series grace tanushri alam jungla geeta lakshmi and kirti they are from all over india jaipur dimapur hangpam village in manipur hyderabad and tirumalgiri Welcome to Founders, a show about women entrepreneurs in India. I'm Samyukta Varma. In this first episode, we set the stage by exploring how women are positioned in the economy. There are two stories that dominate discussions about India's female labor force. One, India's female labor force participation is amongst the lowest in South Asia. And in the past year women have disproportionately lost employment, faced salary cuts and have struggled with the burden of childcare. And the second, today India has between 13 and 15 million women-led enterprises, and this makes up around 20% of all enterprises. These enterprises provide direct employment to an estimated 22 to 27 million people. This leaves us with the question How do we make sense of these two stories about falling female labor force participation and the importance and significance of women as enterprise owners? Are these stories even connected and how are they connected? so i used to carry a bag okay wherever i used to go wherever like even if i'm going to an incubator also i used to carry the samples all the time whomever i meet i used to give them and you know so i'll only talk to them after they taste the products because their impression would change instantly kirti odapalli grew up in an agricultural farm in telangana i mean even though traditionally we are aware of this dehydrated vegetables and fruits people were not very open because fresh is something that has been marketed like some good right even as a child one of the things kirti thought about often was how much food was wasted after the harvest because her family did not have the infrastructure needed to store fresh produce After her MBA she began working in Bengaluru and she remembers how her mother would send her sun-dried fruit and vegetables from their farm so she could make her favorite meals more easily. So which used to make my life very easy both in terms of cooking and also eating nutritious food right 
so she used to send like tomatoes leafy vegetables all those vegetables which were very easy to uh, cook and store also so that is when i started researching on the market and all and it's a 90 billion dollar market globally this got her thinking about a business idea and kirti encouraged her mother lakshmi to set up a small solar drying unit at their house kirti began to procure all the licenses required and this was the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey uh so i'm not lakshmi i'm her daughter i'm kirti so i'm the ceo of the company uh, my mom is the proprietor i'm not a psychologist this is professor seema jaychandran and she's an economist teaching at northwestern university in the us but you know i think when especially women have been raised or led to believe from their community that you know they should have modest goals it's not easy to to have a different mindset and say i'm going to try to aim big and you know aspire to things that i don't necessarily see in my community obviously we all know examples of people who had those great aspirations but those are the you know exceptions we see because someone makes a documentary about that that's not i don't think typical seema's right in that the stories about entrepreneurs we hear are often like kirtis they're exceptional they demonstrate hard work and grit a singular vision and brilliance but these stories often leave things out in a tied to city uh, or in a village um, i do face a lot of constraints i mean not something that would stop me from doing something but something which bothers you you know uh, like i mean there's this patriarchy all around it's a little difficult for people to accept the fact that uh, you as a woman are running the show right Seema has been studying women in the economy for some time, trying to understand how social and cultural norms can become barriers to women's working lives. You might know what social norms are, you might have some idea, but how exactly do they interfere with an individual's economic prospects? In her study, Seema looked at what the evidence was on five kinds of restrictive norms: the harassment and violence women experience when they're out in public spaces, the restrictions that are placed on who women can interact with and where they can go so for example if you give women an idea in a business training that you should be going to the wholesale markets but if her family doesn't allow her to travel across town to that wholesale market or that wholesale market is open at a time that conflicts when she has some responsibilities around cooking for her family that no one else will pitch in with who has control over household finances because men are often considered the breadwinners in the family and finally who bears responsibility for household chores and child care at my own home that's tanushree i talk about that women empowerment and uh, there's no patriarchy but whenever i am hungry i go to my mother instead of my father so that's one thing i always think about female labor force participation is an important sign of many things in a country a growing economy improving development indicators gender equality inclusive institutions and so the state and most states across the world are very interested in boosting women's participation in the economy and to some extent states are cognizant of what these norms do manmohan singh once referred to women as india's underutilized resource the state is invested in trying to fix this problem It regularly collects data on female labor force participation rates. Earlier this kind of data was periodically collected. But the National Sample Survey or NSS collects this data annually. 
if you were to use the yearly rounds, I think even up to 2018-19, it's just about a quarter of women who are participating in the labor force. Slightly more in rural areas, about 29-30%, but in urban areas is very low, it's about 7%. Samia Kapoor works for the initiative for what works to advance women in the economy, or iWage. This is a particularly low rate, especially if you think of the fact that India is fast urbanizing. Just over a third of 34% of India is urbanized. And this is growing every year. I mean, in terms of challenges and why we think it's low, it's a little bit of a conundrum because if you see on the supply side, you know, what would restrict women from participating in the labor force? Their fertility rates are much lower than before. Women are also more educated than before. And also, I think social norms around women, as I said, India is gradually urbanizing, etc., are changing. I mean, you see more men wanting to educate their daughters, their aspirations are higher. Samia also points to another level of social norms that come into play. Perceptions. Perceptions of what women can and can't do. If you talk about women's entrepreneurship as well, it's if you, if you see the kind of industries that women are working in, even if they are working in sole proprietorships, it's mostly an extension of the kind of work that they do at home. So they would be engaged in food, they would be engaged in textiles, childcare, uh, you know, tailoring, beauty salons, etc. But something that is, you know, traditional domains for women. So there is still that perception that this is what they can do and they will not be able to actually graduate to the so-called hard manufacturing sort of industries. It's a hard problem. I don't think anyone knows the secret sauce for changing these social norms, but I think that has to be a, an ultimate policy goal. So I think on the demand side is where the debate is shifting. Are we providing jobs which are closer to their homes so that they can take care of their other sort of responsibilities which restrict them from working full-time? Um, at the same time, something that fits in with their aspirations because women are more educated. And thirdly, whether you know you are actually you know, uh, trying to think through what are the jobs that women can do and cannot do. And that that's where the sort of perceptions and attitudes come in. And it's not like women like Kirti with business degrees and supportive parents who encourage them to find their own way are exempt from these comments or attitudes or feedback from their wider communities. So when I came here, I could I, I could see this hypocrisy all around where people are like, you're capable of running a company, but maybe you should think about how you dress. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you should, uh, you should not uh, come home late, you know. So it's, it's a little, I mean, uh, it's not so easy, you know, you can see uh, what all these women have been going through, you know. And these are the kinds of insidious things that serve to discredit them along their path. Understanding what supports entrepreneurship is of national importance worldwide. And that's because it's seen as a way to create jobs, support innovation, and it's a marker of a healthy economy. It's also seen as something that's transformational. There is a direct connection between starting a business and feeling like you are working towards achieving personal goals. And there are spillover effects of this in the next generation as well, such as more of a priority on children's education. These days, there is a growing focus on women. Yeah, I think entrepreneurship is, you know, a really exciting path for women to 
be successful. I also think there's a, a, a risk that it can feel like a silver bullet to outsiders. This is true for micro-entrepreneurship. I think it's similar for microcredit. It's the idea that we are teaching someone how to fish rather than giving them a fish. While entrepreneurship may seem like a win-win solution, and we may hear about this, we don't really picture women as being part of the entrepreneurial narrative. Such is the fact that a large proportion of women entrepreneurs operate in the informal sector, which is a reason why it might be invisible. Then 83% of these women's enterprises are actually operating without hired workers. 83% of them are just sole proprietorships. They, about another 80% of these women's enterprises are working from home. And that's because, you know, you would want to be at home to take care of your other duties. And about another 79 or 80% of them are self-financed. So it's really nano, very, very micro, sole proprietorships, uh, which comprise the large majority of women's enterprises. And for this large majority, it's not always a story about passion. More often than not, you would see, I'm talking about the large majority, of course, there'll be outliers. More often than not, are pushed into it because of some compelling problem, you know, in their family. So it's really, the motivation is basically, it's a push factor, not that you're pulled into it because of any aspiration. For a lot of educated women with qualifications in the job market, Choosing to start a business can be complicated. I think there's also a huge range between whether that's someone's passion, they would love to really create something, or sometimes it's a fallback, you know, when people aren't able to find, they would rather have a secure job employed by someone else, but if they can't, then they start a small business. For much of this episode, we're really trying to make one point. Think about how we imagine entrepreneurs are made and then contrast this with what we just heard Seema and Saumya say about the many small obstacles women face for just wanting to be in the workforce. Grit and sacrifice is very normalized in the stories of women's working lives. And when we try to wrap our heads around all these obstacles, entrepreneurship must be one of the hardest paths a woman could choose. But we can't keep trying to imagine it. We have to learn more about what it actually takes. You know, this is not a short-run problem. It's going to be hard to achieve equality for women in terms of time available for work and, and businesses. But I think on almost all dimensions, you can find some success stories around the world. And I think we should be looking at those for source of optimism and borrowing some of those models from around the world uh, to make steady progress on making these restrictive social norms be less of a problem for women entrepreneurs. And when women become entrepreneurs, many see that they can change things for other women. Here's Kirti. Like the kind of lifestyle I had in Mumbai or in Bangalore, the kind of freedom I had. I mean, I never felt I was unequal. So I kind of wanted to show, if not to men, to some uh, girls out here that if you study well or if you do something well, you can always uh, you know, achieve your dreams and maybe maybe be an example for for uh, for other girls out there who 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 are pushed into early marriages who are not given freedom to you know study what they want to hi good morning everyone this is grace 
important work and plans are coming up. We are planning to organize a one-day awareness program on violence against women and the impact of technology with musical entertainment to promote our local artists. Grace is from Hangpung village in Manipur. She was a homemaker who lived on a farm with her husband and two sons. She was always troubled by the levels of domestic violence in her community and she felt very strongly that she wanted to do something about it. But what? She wasn't sure at first, but an idea began to take shape. I used to do all kinds of household activities and I do farming like pecory, chickens, gardening to help myself busy to earn and to put into saving. Until she finally felt she had enough to start her business, which was an NGO for women. And her first project was going to be a film on domestic violence. I experienced and went through all struggles, difficulties of being mistreated with hateful language. This made me realize that I need to do something and out of my comfort zone, I raised my voice. So I started writing stories based on social issues. Grace had never made a film before, but that didn't deter her. Nor did her family surprise and shock. They initially didn't support her. Her husband walked out of the screening and he took time to come round and is now one of her most fervent supporters. Hello, I'm Jenny Tingshung. I'm an independent journalist. Grace is both my cousin and childhood friend. I have known her since kindergarten and we shared most of our teenage life together. As a woman, Grace has faced and overcome a lot of challenges in life and I'm really proud of her, of how she's trying to turn her life around by uh, focusing on th- stuff that matters to her personally and to the community. It takes a lot of cuts and confidence to start an entrepreneurial journey with no professional experience in a field and it takes even more courage for a woman to succeed and be taken seriously in a community that is deeply rooted in patriarchal system. But Grace is proving the fact that it's not always skills and knowledge, but passion and determination to bring social change and empowerment that matters more. I I do not have this, you know, people have this blueprint that I will do this, I'll do that. I just started, okay, let's open a restaurant and then just started like that. Alam Jungla is from Dimapur, Nagaland. That was the time I got this idea that, you know, we need to have a restaurant here in Nagaland which serves authentic Naga food. In fact, it is an award-winning Naga restaurant in Dimapur, the first authentic Naga restaurant. It's not something she planned, but she had years of experience in the hospitality industry before she started. She had a degree in hotel management. She had worked in some of the finest hotels across India and had traveled the world on cruise ships before returning home. When she set up her business, one of the things she quickly realized was how the risks were now so much higher. The stakes are higher for women entrepreneurs because as business owners, they are much more exposed and visible. And they often don't get more than one chance. You, your name, your name is attached to your business. Like this restaurant is owned by Alam Jungla Jamir. So people have high expectations from you. 
In our next episode, we're going to go deep. What does it take to run a business, hour to hour and day by day? How does passion and hard work turn into brick and mortar? What kind of support has made the difference and what kinds of sacrifices are being made? How have these women managed their life plans alongside everything else they're expected to do? And most importantly, how do you start? When I started, okay, what do I need? I need a space. Okay, we got the space. How do I want to do it? So instead of having a proper fixed uh, plan, mine was like, okay, how much money do I have? You know, uh, whether I should go for plastic chairs or I should go for this, you know. So my my like making the restaurant was also like like that. Founders is brought to you by Her and Now, a project implemented by GIZ on behalf of the German Federal Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development in partnership with the Indian Ministry of Skill Development and Entrepreneurship to promote aspiring and existing women entrepreneurs in India. Founders is produced by Vaca Media. For more information, go to herandnow.in.